You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Are you ready? Are you ready for some scolding hot takes? Talking Vikings. With Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick, this is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold, the weekend edition of the show, Odyssey's new Vikings podcast. Chase Frederick here, joined not by Dane Mizutani. He is somewhere in the deep woods taking advantage of his final non-NFL weekend. Good for him. Uh, Maybe you'd think like, oh, Dane should probably join in for this. But apparently it is like so far in the sticks that he didn't plan to have cell phone service, internet, anything. We'll find out if he actually like made it out of there and made it back pretty much when we record the next episode. Um, Until then, we're all kind of in limbo with no status on Dane on how he's doing or anything. Uh, But in Dane's place, massive upgrade. Chad Graff joining us today, uh, former Vikings beat reporter for The Athletic. Still at The Athletic, now just covering the Patriots back in his home New England area. Chad, thanks so much for joining us. We're looking forward to, to talking Vikings for 40 minutes or until whenever you, your baby decides that it's <laughs> it's time for you to return to dad duties. The the crying in the background will be like when they start playing somebody off at an award show and it's like, all right, that's the cue to wrap up. That, that'll that be this cue. Um, hardly an upgrade. This feels a little bit like a Kellen Mond situation. Like we're bringing in this guy, really? What, what, what do people see in this guy? What, why do people keep having him around? But here we are, nonetheless. Uh, I'll be your Kellen Mond, your sidekick today. Which means you're going to have a brief tenure here, and then we're going to cut you. <laughs> exactly. This is this is my one showing. You can skip me for the meaningful ones like Green Bay. Don't just bring in somebody else. There's no need to even see me. You've seen me. That's right. We're going to trade for our Nick Mullins for the Green Bay episodes <laughs> for sure. Uh, just to give a cadence, this is the weekend episode, and then we're going to kind of get into our regular cadence of the regular season here with as we head into week one. So the traditional cadence for those listening, it's going to be Tuesdays, Thursdays, and then just post-game. Um, so, you know, a few hours after the Green Bay game, you'll find our post-game reaction, and then Tuesdays, Thursdays every week. It'll be a little bit different for, like, week two, the Monday night game against Philadelphia. Um, we'll get a plan, plan in place for that, and you'll know about it. If you don't want to have to be remembering which day is looking for it, just subscribe or follow so all these podcasts show up right on your phone, right on your favorite podcast platform, um, just ready to roll as soon as they come out. So we suggest subscribing, following it. It helps you. Uh, make sure you catch everything. It helps our show as well. But now we're sitting here, we're a week out from the Green Bay game, um, and I think Chad is a good person to have on today because, frankly, like as we look big picture on things, I want to get a voice in here, somebody who's followed the team, who is not shackled by any restrictions of beat reporter here anymore. <laughs> like Chad has no lit, no, there's no connection to the Vikings any longer. Um, he followed the team. I think you covered it the last four seasons. Is that right? Four Chad? seasons. I, I got to join right after the fun parts of the 2017 season. Everything seemed high. I was like, God, I'm joining the team at a good time coming off the NFC championship. This Kirk cousins guy, look at these numbers. He must be incredible. This is the perfect time to join the team. 
Uh, and then 2018 happened. So, you know, fun. You, Chad, got to cover two playoff games, one playoff win. And that's it. Uh, game? A whole lot of turmoil other than that, frankly. Uh, so good to have Chad on. Chad was literally covering the team right up until the beginning of training camp here. So still very much uh, has the winds of what was going on in Vikings camp. And frankly, this was a quiet camp anyway. So I think everything that you were covering and thought leading up to like August still stands pretty well here today. But first off, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to do some role playing. And I think this is super important to get into this topic. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be Patriots offensive guru, Matt Patricia. <laughs> You're going to be athletic Patriots beat reporter, Chad Graff. Can you do that? I think I can fill that role. Yes. Okay. So here's the scenario. You're going to be sitting in the media room at the Patriots. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what the setup is, but you're going to be working. Dungeony, dark, not great. Just painting okay. a visual here. Perfect. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, a little bit opposite of, of what they have at the Vikings practice facility. Uh, and then I'm going to be Matt Patricia, who makes an unexpected appearance in the media room, which I'm sure he does many times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay. So I walk up to you, and you're probably a little bit startled here, but I just come up and, and here we go. Hey, uh, I've seen you in some scrums. Uh, you know, I've done, we've done some interviews. You've asked, you've asked me some questions. I, I just wanted to introduce myself, formally start this relationship. I'm a Patriots offensive mastermind, Matt Patricia. <laughs> oh, Matt, um, it's so good to meet you, first of all. Um, wow, this, this must be a crazy few months for you. What's it been like, you know, hopping over to the offensive side of the ball? Uh, well, you're not even going to stand up and shake my hand for this. Okay. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, could you, sorry, could sorry. you, could you at least sit up straight for this conversation? I, I'm so sorry. I I'm thrown off because you don't have a pencil in your ear and I don't know what to do with it without you having a pencil up your ear. Okay. Um, well, look, anyway, the offensive transition, as you can see, it's going awesome. Um, <laughs> as you've written about on multiple occasions and frankly, like wanted to come up to you because, you know, we obviously read all of your stuff here mm -hmm. on our staff. Coach Belichick thinks it's super insightful. He actually uses <laughs> your analysis as part of our decision-making process because, mm -hmm. you know, we we personally all think that the media isn't credited enough for their breadth of knowledge of football. But I, I understand you've worked in Minnesota for the last four years before this, and I trust you as maybe more so than anyone else. I wanted to get your thoughts on Kirk Cousins. Um, I, every time I look over there, the the numbers, the stats are good, and the win total is not. Um, what do you think that discrepancy is all about? Oh, boy. Well, first of all, Matt, you know um, what it looks like when he's good because he's very good against your Detroit Lions. I don't know what <laughs> in the world you were doing on defense in those games, but, man, did he light you up. Um, my thoughts on Kirk Cousins, Mr. Patricia, uh, mm -hmm. are that he can be good in the right situations with the right weapons if you make his reads very obvious. He is robotic to a fault in terms of it'll be third and 13, as we have outlined before. And he is comfortable showing the four, throwing the four yard check route if that is where his reads have taken him. So I think if you are Kevin O'Connell, which you're not Mr. Patricia, um, far superior offensive mind over here, correct? Yeah, of course, of course. As you try to deploy this Sean McVay scheme that you have never seen. Uh, or coached but I think you almost have to have plays that don't even give him the choice of taking the safe play or giving him reads that don't get you the first down in those kind of gotta have it situations if you do that he is 
above average in his accuracy. His arm strength, I think, does surprise some people. He doesn't have a weak arm. He's got a little more athleticism than perhaps he gets credit for. He's got a lot of the pieces. You just have to somehow find a way to deprogram him. And, you know, if you can reboot the system and somehow, you know, it's like if you bought um, an old MacBook on Craigslist or something, and you can see, like, boy, it's still got the gigabytes. The hardware is there. Like, there's a chance that we can turn this into something. But it's just got this virus that every time, you know, I try to make a meaningful document or send a meaningful email, it just checks down and goes right to my draft. I need to reboot this. If you can reboot that, then I think you could be working with something special. It's just that every coach has thought they could reboot that system. And uh, so far, none have been able to. Okay, breaking out of the the situation here. I'm going back to being Jace, but you can continue being Chad. Um, What do you think the probability of that reboot is? Because I do think that a lot of us maybe view this as a last stand, right? Like Kevin O'Connell has had success with Jared Goff in 2020, um, even with like the hurt thumb, and then Matt Stafford obviously last year winning the Super Bowl. It feels like if this doesn't work, it won't work. What do you think the possibility is? Now having seen Kirk with a bunch of different offensive coordinators for the last four years, is it there or is this kind of just a fool's errand that people keep trying to like push the rock up the hill like Sisyphus and it's just not going to happen? This is actually where I'm super conflicted because I was very, very impressed by Kevin O'Connell. Granted, in limited interactions and it's right. easy to be impressed by a coach before they've actually coached a game or more importantly, have lost a game and see how they respond to that and react to that. But he is a super, super bright guy. Um, this is not just somebody who I think rode the coattails of Sean McVay and got a job because he was around Sean McVay. Did those things help? Yes. Did winning a Super Bowl help? Absolutely. But he is super impressive in breaking down film, explaining why they're doing things. Every play that they run has a reason. And he's also in tune to a lot of the things that Mike Zimmer just wasn't. Like if if he does very basic things, like not run the ball in second and 13, the offense is just going to get better. It it has to because you're not putting yourself in third and long situations as frequently. Um, So I have a lot of faith in Kevin O'Connell. And yet every time I think, yeah, this guy could do it. I think back to the fact that Jay Gruden couldn't do it. Kyle Shanahan couldn't do it. um, John DeFilippo couldn't do it. Gary Kubiak couldn't do it. Like he's been for, for all the talk, which is valid of how many offensive coordinators he's had. And that stinks. He's been around sneaky, some really damn good offensive coordinators. Kyle Shanahan, one of the best coaches. Kevin Stefanski turning out to be, I think, a pretty good head coach. Right. Um, maybe some questionable decisions along the way, but a pretty darn good coach. Gary Kubiak, one of the best offensive coaches of the last couple of decades. He's been around good coaches, and none of them have been able to reboot that system, so to speak. So as high as I am on Kevin O'Connell, I think some things are just ingrained by the time you're a 34 year old quarterback, a decade in the league. Like if it hasn't happened by now, I just have a hard time thinking it's suddenly going to flip. Okay. I'll make a new England connection here because I might've been the biggest like Mac Jones draft supporter ever. Um, and you now have seen him at least for a training camp here. And I did see like in your most recent mailbag um, on the athletic site, Vikings fans can go read that. There was a specific question about like Kirk versus Mac and the comparison there. So I guess if you could rehash that for us, maybe the comparison you've seen between the two. And then frankly, like 
I think I got a lot of blowback when I tweeted, like, I thought the Vikings should have taken Mac Jones in that draft. Everybody thought, well, no, we've seen what that looks like with Kirk Cousins. We've seen it's the same ceiling. Do you agree with that? Not only are they the same type of quarterback, but then do you think, like, they have the same ceiling or is one's maybe higher than the other? So this is, I I think you can get a little bit into talk radio talk here yeah. with the points that I'm about to make, but I truly, truly think that they're valid and think that if you ask coaches around the league, this stuff does matter. Um, as far as traits, they're similar. Mac Jones is a little bit more athletic, but same type of passer accuracy more than like Josh Allen, crazy arm strength processes well goes through his reads well all of that is similar I think this is the part that you kind of have to talk about carefully but does matter which is Mac Jones is as far as I can tell from limited interaction and being around him the guys really like him they like being around him they like playing for him he's in the locker room the whole time that it's open chumming it up with the wide receivers, going over things after plays is the wide receivers are coming back to him asking what they thought on different things. He's um, hosting workouts that they're all attending, which uh, is a little bit rare. And I think when you watch the games, like that stuff does show up in meaningful moments. Um, So I think that there's a difference personality wise, where I think Mac Jones has an edge over Kirk Cousins in terms of you know, he's not Tom Brady in how everybody is dying to play for him or willing sure. to give up everything to get the most out of it. Like he's also in year two. You he's know. also in year two. But like that is the absolute scene, the best we've seen of Tom Brady being able to make other guys better. He has a he has more of that than Kirk Cousins does. And I think that is meaningful in big time situations late in games. And I think in part because of that, his ceiling is probably higher than Kirk Cousins. Like I think Kirk Cousins' ceiling is being the maybe eighth best quarterback, more likely like ninth, tenth best quarterback in the NFL. Mac Jones isn't going to be a top three quarterback. Like he's not Herbert, Allen, Mahomes, but I think he can be a seventh best quarterback in the NFL. And you can get to the Super Bowl with the seventh best quarterback in the NFL. Um, I don't think that you're going to win a Super Bowl with the 11th best quarterback in the NFL. Can it be done? For sure. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was one good throw away from winning a Super Bowl. Um, So it's possible, but I I do think Mac Jones' ceiling is a little bit higher than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up leadership because we talk about this and I, the quarterback position and the importance of it, Dane and I have discussed it a little bit. I don't think it gets brought up enough almost because it's not quantifiable uh, because you can't look at a box score and see it. And, and frankly, like you can see it in big moments on Sundays, but not for large chunks of the game. People just want to look at the throws. I do think for the quarterback position, it is a huge piece of the equation. Um, And I think that's where Kirk Cousins lacks the most. And that's where the conversation gets a little bit tricky because it's hard to say like, well, he's not a good enough leader. And it's like, well, how do you explain that? Um, And it's just kind of something when you're around, you can tell. Um, And you can obviously see it now here through a couple weeks of Mac Jones. And I think we've seen that it's missing in Minnesota and in certain ways. It's not that everybody doesn't like Kirk. It's just that he doesn't maybe inspire everybody in the same way or they don't rally around him. Last one uh, before we'll take a quick break here. Your final thought, can you win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins? Because I would argue you mentioned even the Jimmy thing, like, 
Jimmy is a guy who everybody rallies around. I mean, his teammates loved him. So I thought maybe that helped push that team a little bit. With Kirk, though, with the combination of what he's good at and what he lacks, can you win a Super Bowl with him? Oh, I I think you can win a Super Bowl with him. However, I think basically everything else has to go perfect. Your offensive line has to play as a top 10 unit. You have to have Justin Jefferson and an incredible receiver duo. You have to have a very good coach. And importantly, and this is, I think, where the Vikings are lacking, you have to have probably a top five defense, maybe even higher. If you have all of those things, yes, you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. Now, of course, that's where you have to bring up the cap number because it is incredibly difficult to build all of those things that we just mentioned, the top three, top five defense, the great offensive line, the great wide receivers, the good coach. It's hard to have all of that while also allocating more than 10% of your salary cap just to Kirk Cousins. So I think you can do it, but the way things are structured right now, I just think it's really difficult to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um, and I think you could argue in your first season covering the, <clears throat> excuse me, covering the team in 2018, they had a lot of those things and they missed the playoffs, um, which maybe was a eye opener, I think, for a lot of people now who question things about Kirk. Uh, but what you just mentioned now with the way things are currently structured, it it does seem like an uphill climb, which is a good break into our next segment where we'll talk about maybe the approach the team took this offseason and what that maybe will lead to here as we head into um, the 2022 regular season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, back with Inside Purple and Gold. Jace Frederick joined by the Athletics Patriots beat reporter, Chad Graff. Chad has spent the last four seasons covering the Vikings and shedding a little bit of light on maybe what he saw and what he thought was coming up uh, for 2022. First off, Chad, this offseason, and you mentioned Kevin O'Connell, but I also am interested, like, what were your initial impressions of Quasi Adolfo Mensa taking over the personnel department for Minnesota? Um, initial impressions, maybe not even so much on what he did, because I want to get to that right after this, but just what you thought of him as, you know, your in initial interactions. Initially, super impressed, could see why people gravitate toward him, could see how he interviews well. Ivy League grad, but doesn't, not the kind of Ivy League grad that's rubbing it in your nose of, I'm so much better than you, like comes off as a genuine good guy who is, you know, willing to collaborate and work with you and hear out different perspectives. So, Initially, I think pretty impressed, like the idea of kind of zigging where other teams are zagging. And if everybody else is going for the latest, hottest scout or assistant GM, I don't think it hurts to go the route that the Vikings have. 
love the idea of kind of a youth movement um, in both in your two most important spots, GM and head coach. I think he definitely still has a little bit to learn. And I think that you've seen some growing pains along the way. I think he would probably want the comments that he made to USA Today back again. Um, I think he's still learning that you don't necessarily have to be super blunt and forthcoming when we media members ask you questions like, can you win with Kirk Cousins? How are you going to rebuild or reload when you are paying Kirk Cousins this much? You don't have to give the whole truth. You can sidestep the question. And it pains me to say, I love when you tell the truth, but I know from being outside of Minnesota when those comments were made that they caught the attention of others around the league and uh, not in a super positive way. Um, So I think he's going to have some growing pains. I wasn't super impressed by the draft. I think that there's still something to be learned about, especially I know everybody's trade value charts are different, but when you're trading with teams in your division, like it better be a slam dunk, no brainer. We're winning this trade because they gave wide receivers to division rivals. And, you know, that's a quick way to constantly have poor drafts thrown in your face is if the lions turn out to have an awesome passing offense with the receiver that you basically gifted them, that's going to get brought up. And I don't know that you have an incredible secondary to combat that. So um, I don't know. It just, there are some unconventional things like that, that give me a little bit of pause. I think overall net positive, headed in the right direction, but there are going to be some growing pains along the way. Yeah. When I don't know if it'll happen this year as he comes back from that ACL, but I mean, Jamison Williams has the absolute look of like a generational game breaking wide receiver. And so maybe by the time 2023 rolls around that trade, yes, the value chart looks good. Um, but the fact that you opened up the door for Detroit to have a guy like that, who could be like maybe a Justin Jefferson type player, um, that that will get looked back on and maybe not so favorably, but we'll see. Um, I guess I wanted to say like, okay, so Quasi comes in, you get his initial impressions, you see the draft. But I think a lot of people, when there was like a youth youth movement coming into the front office, it was like, okay, this sets, opens the door perfectly to a rebuild, um, to really kind of reshuffling the deck, maybe move on from a lot of different guys, um, go younger and and maybe you have to take a little bit of some lumps, but, but move in a different direction. And they did not do that. Um, frankly, this was a retool at best. There were a few additions, you know, you can point at Harrison Phillips. This is a Darius Smith um, on the defensive end. It's, it's pretty similar. It's a pretty similar group. Did that surprise you that they took that approach this off season and really just kind of tinkering with the roster? Shock to me. I feel like if you're going to restart, restart, like, what you had, you, you saw what you had in it. It's by and large the same or very similar to 2018, 2019, 2020. You know, you've seen what you have in this. And yet, uh, and this is probably more a knock on ownership, frankly, that that's yeah. That's the owners to get to decide, you know, the direction of the franchise and hire somebody who they agree with. And if somebody comes in and says, yeah, this is good enough. We just need some tweaks and some better coaching. And we're going to be competing with the Packers for the division. I would question uh, how either A, genuine they were about those thoughts, or B, what in their scouting process made them come to that conclusion, because I personally disagree with it. Um, but I, I was kind of shocked because it the way that 
the roster has been constructed, the moves that they've made, basically all of the moves up until roster cut down day, when they cut a bunch of Spielman's recent draft picks, mm-hmm. everything up to that point was a move that you could sit back and say, I could see Rick Spielman making that trade. Sure. I could see Rick Spielman drafting that player, making that move, signing that guy, whatever. All of it was very much in line what the previous regime had done. And so at that point, if it's all going to be similar and all going to be the same, then you're banking on a change of culture delivering five more wins a season. Like I do think a change of culture was needed. I think it's good. I think it will be a net positive. Is it going to get you to 13 wins in a 17 game schedule? Like I'd be shocked. Um, So there's some good things because I think the culture had to change and the collaboration will be good. And all those buzzwords that you've heard are important and will make a difference. And yet I cannot believe that as we sit here, basically a week out from the season opener, the Vikings are rolling into this so, so similar to what they had the last two, even three years. I think the ownership point is a great point and you need to understand this from a pro sports perspective and it doesn't get brought up enough. Ownership has a massive hand in everything. Um, Like they give you the license to make moves and and act as you see fit or not. Um, You have to run almost everything by them and kind of get an okay a lot of times. And they push for certain things that frankly, like if you're looking for your job security or just to get hired in the first place, you might just go along with it and say, well, I'm, I wouldn't have done this, but we can work with it, um, you know, and, and do it with a smile on your face. I never give like GMs a break on that because like you signed up for the job. Um, like you clearly went into the interview process and said what you needed to say or said, yeah, we can make that work. I could, I think we can make something work with Kirk. Um, so I'm not going to give you, Quasi a break on that because he signed up for it. You agreed to it. You knew those were the parameters and you still jumped on in. Uh, but it does make a big difference. Like you ownership factors into all of these things more so than just about anybody would ever guess to a uh, higher extent. And definitely not talked about enough. Like Rick Spielman talked to Mark Wilf every single day during the season. Um, that was something he admitted once when I didn't think he would. I think there was a question about like, hey, when you made that trade or that big signing, did you have to get the approval from Mark Wilf and the ownership group? And he was like, I talked to them every single day. Like, yes, I talked to them when we're about to sign a practice squad guy. And here's the crazy thing to consider in all of that. Compared to other owners, the Wilfs are relatively hands-off. Yeah. And so the more hands-off owners are still involved in everything. And if they say, we're not rebuilding, then guess what? You're not rebuilding. And that is, I think, where kind of the politics comes into it of if you're one of these GMs, do you say what you actually think in these interviews or prospective GMs in these interviews? Do you say, hey, your roster just simply flat out, straight up is not good enough to win a Super Bowl. You need to tear it all the way down to the studs and start over. Or do you think, hey, I've always wanted to be a GM. My chance to get this job is to kind of cross my fingers and say, yeah, we'll do a little retooling. And once I'm there, I'll get it figured out. But that is kind of the game that you have to play. And I'm not saying Quasi doesn't truly believe that. Maybe he truly believes just a little tinkering and my magic touch over it will solve the problems. But boy, I, I just, I guess, straight up disagree that um, a little retooling of this roster is all that's needed. Like they squeezed everything out of 2017 and still got smoked in the NFC championship game. And the roster has gotten considerably worse since then. The defense is 
miles behind that one. And I just don't see how you're going to get back to that point, the way that the roster is currently constructed. And um, I, this is like, it's uninformed. There's nothing to it. It's just kind of my thought. But like coaches like Mike Zimmer, who had an interview for head coaching position year after year after year. I think that's probably part of the reason why they go into those. They don't get the job because they're too blunt because he probably goes in there and he says, well, this stinks. This position group sucks. Uh, this, this thing isn't going to work. You have to change this and this. And it, it makes the team walk out and go, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Our team's not that bad. Uh, you know, we're just, we're not that far away from being competitive. Like you need a coach to go in there and be like, well, you know, this is really good. I would just have to change this a little bit. And then they nod and go, yeah, that's what we're looking for. Um, so it, cert, certain personalities, certain approaches, I'm sure interview better because so many of these things like with egos and whatnot, it's, are we that far away? No, we just need to change a couple things. Then we'll be good. And this guy seems to know those couple little things we have to touch up on. And, and, and that's it. Uh, you touched on the roster. We've talked about this a lot. Dane and I have like what these NFL top hundred lists come out and whether it's the one that ESPN did um, where they, you know, the writers do it, whether it's where uh, the NFL players vote in both of them, the Vikings only had three top 100 players. And in the, the writers one on ESPN, they had one top 80 player, just Justin Jefferson. So we kind of talked about like, maybe that's a little bit of an alarming lack of top talent problem. And then we watch the preseason and we think, well, there also seems to be a lack of depth problem here. Uh, so without you talked about how it's gotten worse, where do you rate this roster? Just like maybe in general tiers, like just without actually looking at all the rosters, how do you think it stacks up like middle towards the bottom? Like, what do you think we're looking at here? Yeah, I think it's probably slightly above average. Like here in New England, I'm looking at what I think is a pretty bad roster. Sure. Um, I think there's a chance that they get to the playoffs just because Bill Belichick is that good it almost feels like belichick is handicapping himself like you you think i can't coach just because tom brady's gone like i'll hire matt patricia and joe judge to run my offense i'll have nobody you've heard of on either side of the ball outside (laughs) mac jones and i'll still get this thing to the playoffs um so i think the vikings roster is better than that i think the patriots kind of define average roster or maybe even a little bit below um the standout players definitely help but some of the standouts are positions that we've learned aren't quite as valuable as maybe we thought like Dalvin cook, great player is running back super valuable. Not really. It turns out Eric Kendricks, great player is middle linebacker, all that valuable when you're not um, rushing the passer. Not really Harrison Smith, great player safety. It turns out is nowhere near as important as cornerback and cornerback is where the Vikings don't have depth and struggle and how don't have elite players. And so, I just think that the way it's constructed doesn't as of now inspire a ton of confidence at the most important positions. I think that can change. Daniel Hunter, if he is healthy, changes that in a massive way. Edge rusher is probably the second most important spot behind um, quarterback. And so if he stays healthy, he answers that emphatically. I just have a hard time saying, yeah, the Vikings get an A for their pass rush when the guys played something like eight games out of the last 32. Um, so I, I think it's probably, I don't know, somewhere around 11, 12, 13, maybe all the way down to 14. If you're pessimistic, um, when you're just ranking the best rosters, they've got some pieces. Um, maybe Christian Derisaw turns into the left tackle of the future as they foresaw and hoped. And if that happens, and if Daniel Hunter stays healthy, like suddenly you do have some premium positions with Jefferson, Derisaw being really good. 
Danelle Hunter being healthy. Like that can take this roster to another level. Um, that's just a lot of question marks for me to say it's definitively a top 10 roster. So I think it's probably just a shade behind that. All right. We'll take a quick break here. We'll come back. Ask Chad, I guess maybe the blame that he would put on Mike Zimmer uh, as, as a thing of how much can change here with the new coaching staff. We'll get into some either wars with Patriots and Vikings as we wrap it up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back on the Inside Purple and Gold podcast, our last segment here with Chad Graff, Odyssey's new Vikings podcast. We're going to have more and more content previewing the season a little bit more on Tuesday. Dane and I will get into what should qualify as a good season for Kirk Cousins, for Kevin O'Connell, for the Vikings as a whole. Um, Thursday, we will just... Well, it's time. We're going to break down that Packers matchup. I can't believe we're to that point. Um, if you want to catch all the Inside Purple and Gold Vikings analysis, uh, follow, subscribe. Make sure that these podcasts are automatically showing up on your phone, on your favorite podcast platform. Chad, you've mentioned like Kevin O'Connell and how you've been impressed with him. I think, like you've noted, the optimism for the Vikings and maybe the plan is that they can just coach way better this year. Uh, and that it's a very similar roster. But if coached properly, um, maybe maybe it's a true contender in the NFL. To get to that, I do think we have to look back on Mike Zimmer. And, you know, like the last last year was a failure for this group. I don't think there's any way around it. How much of that failure, what percentage of it, do you place on Mike Zimmer's shoulders? And I guess with that in mind, then, is it as simple as, well, if we just swap out for somebody who we think can coach this group better, that solves it. Um, I don't know. what is the percentage big enough in your mind for that to be the case? I don't think it is because I think two things can be true. Mike Zimmer needed to get fired. They needed to change. Things had passed him by and it was time. He deserved some blame. He was not getting the most out of the roster. He needed to go. At the same time, it can also be true that he's not the sole reason the Vikings missed the playoffs or haven't been as successful as they hoped. Like the roster, as we mentioned, is not a top 10 roster, at least in my opinion. So um, Rick Spielman deserves some of the blame. The draft classes have been somewhere between average and well below average. Uh, Suddenly you put a new set of eyes on it this year, and a ton of those guys that Rick Spielman traded down to get a year ago are gone because um, they just weren't very good. And it it wasn't even their set of eyes. The Vikings' own coaching staff didn't play them last year because they weren't very good. I, I know it always feels weird to kind of toot the media's horn, but several of us wrote over and over like, Hey, Wyatt Davis is not in this competition. Chas Surratt is not even factoring into this. Like it, it was obvious even to our bland, boring, untrained eye. Those guys weren't very good. 
Um, so Mike Zimmer deserves some of the blame. I think on the pie chart, and maybe he's around 35, 40% of it, okay. the roster construction being um, a, a chunk of it too. And then some players probably are in there as well. Some of the culture, maybe that falls into Spielman and Zimmer. But um, I think that not having Zimmer and having a better coach and having a better culture is a net positive. I just don't think it's enough to tinker with the roster, have better coaching, and expect that is going to have you competing with the Packers. Okay, fill in the blank here. The Vikings can have a top blank offense this season. I am maybe going to regret this after everything I've said. I'm incredibly (laughs) bullish on the Vikings offense. And maybe it helps that I haven't seen them in practice. I was catching up with Matthew Collar, another Vikings writer yesterday. And I said, like, am I crazy? I think they're going to be really good. And I said, well, at practice yesterday, Kirk Cousins threw three interceptions and threw the ball in a little tantrum because he was so frustrated with what was going on. And I guess it does help when you remove yourself from the situation and you just think Sean McVay's offense, what Cooper Cup did last year, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen in the red zone, Irv Smith being healthy, Christian Derrissaw maybe taking another step, finally having good offensive tackles. Like, oh my God, they're going to be great. And that is kind of where I'm at. But then I think it definitely helps when you're not watching some of the issues or struggles. And perhaps it's not as easy to say, hey, just put Kirk Cousins in this other offense and he's going to fix all of the things that have plagued him. So I am very bullish on it. I think they're going to be number three is probably the absolute ceiling. I think yeah, more that's what I was looking for. Absolute ceiling. They'll finish, I don't know, eighth or something. Um, which would be a big improvement. Which would be a notable big improvement. And yet I say all of that while adding the caveat of, I haven't been watching them. Right. And it's easy to say that uh, when you're not watching the team. I, I think it's important almost to get the outside view though, because like when Dane and I talked about the roster here, we talk ourselves in circles and I get to the point where I think it's like the 25th best roster where when you look at it from the outside, it's not that um, yeah. it's, it is better than that. And you do kind of need to maintain that macro view of understanding that every other NFL team has their own issues as well. Okay. Same question. It does. You can answer as short or long as whatever the Vikings can have a top blank defense this year. Or how about this? Whew. The Vikings can have, will have a bottom blank defense this year. <laughs> So this is where I think it's super volatile and probably will tell the story of the season where on the one hand, defense is just naturally volatile. It's hard to have a good defense over and over, right? It's hard to have a really bad defense over and over. It changes. um, It's just not a very consistent um, way to view how good a team is going to be. And so maybe because of that, they can surprise me and get all the way Uh, by switching to this new scheme that everybody likes, by hopefully taking away the deep ball in this um, Vic Fangio-style defense that essentially says, like, go ahead, run the ball on us. If you want three and a half, four yards of carry, like, we'll give it to you. We're going to bet that you're not going to be able to string together 15 play drives over and over. You're going to make a mistake somewhere along the way, have a holding penalty that sets you back, fumble, throw an interception. Like, we're going to dare you to beat us in five-yard chunks. We're going to give you nothing deep. I think that system's very good. And maybe if Daniil Hunter stays healthy and Zedarius Smith stays healthy, which are two big asks, and they perform as they did pre-injury, you could get all the way up to 10, 11, 12. But I think more likely 
they're probably around 20. I, I mean, I haven't seen the secondary, but man, that group of corners really scares me. Yeah, I'm decently high on Cam Dantzler. I just think Patrick Peterson, the 30s are not kind to um, any of us, really. Yeah, right. As as you learn, if you have a couple of drinks at night and try to pop back up the next morning, it's man, not great. 30s it's are rough. Not, it's not great. <laughs> it's especially rough on cornerbacks trying to keep up with, um, you know, a a speed movement that's going around the NFL right now. Like that has me worried rookies as the depth behind them has me worried. So it's that cornerback group that really scares me and think they'll probably more likely finish around 20, 21, 22 in the league. Nothing like having two glasses of wine and the next morning waking up and feeling like you are almost like slightly hungover. Yeah. <laughs> Am I sick? What's yeah, wrong with me? Um, okay. This is just one number. You just, just a rapid fire here. How many years of good football do these players have left? Four of them. Adam Thielen. Oh God, we're starting with a tough one. Good. It, they're football. all tough in their own way. Good. So I'll define good as I don't know how I'll define it, but Adam Thielen, I'll say two. Okay. Harrison Smith. Two. Patrick Peterson. A half. Dalvin Cook. Ooh. Good Dalvin for him has got to mean like Cook. top 10, 12 running back. Yeah, one and a half. Okay. That's a tough that, one. That's a the, really hard one. The key players, not only are they not at super valuable positions, now Thielen obviously that is, and Peterson that is, but they're also aging out, uh, which mm-hmm. is an interesting part of this team. Like we're still waiting for other people to step in, and that hasn't quite happened yet. Um, and the depth, that again, that makes it all very concerning. Okay, that Harrison Smith contract still blows me away it, that they gave him all that money. It was basically like a thanks for all your service here. Yes, um, yes. The definition of paying for prior success and not future abilities. Rick Spielman probably thought, this might be my last extension I really get to hand out. I'm going <laughs> to hand it out to a guy who's done me right over the years. <laughs> when, when Harrison Smith is an executive one day, he'll get me a consulting job. This That's is, right. This yeah. is how I'll stay relevant for a while. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do some kind of Patriots versus Vikings here. Mac Jones versus Kirk Cousins. Who would you rather have over the next three years? Mac Jones. Vikings win total in 2022 or the Patriots win total in 2022? Vikings. What's the number? 10. And I think the Patriots are at nine. Okay. So very so comparable, close. which is, which is comparable. fair. Um, the Patriots have, I was looking at the schedule the other day. They have a, such an easy stretch where they go like lions, bears, Browns without Watson jets twice. Oh, and wow. like, I think they're going to put to last year. Everybody was blown away. Like this team's won seven straight. Belichick's got the magic still. It's like, yeah, they beat up on bad teams. And I think they'll probably do that. They're going to have this stretch like right before Thanksgiving, before they come to Minnesota, when everybody's like, oh my God, Bill Belichick's incredible. Look at what he's doing. And then it's like, yeah, I mean, they had three interceptions against Zach Wilson. He's terrible. <laughs> I do like how you're like, well, they have such an easy schedule. And the first two teams you list are NFC North. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So I go, wow. Yeah, that is pretty easy. Uh, the Vikings. Yeah. They probably should have a pretty good year as well. Imagine they getting get to play to... the lions twice. Like what a luxury. And that means they get to play the jets as well. You know? Um, right. Yeah. So I, I'm with, I think you're about right. And that Thanksgiving swing game where you know, we get to bring you back home, that might frankly determine who has more wins this year. Uh, 
And then last one. Here's what we'll go off on. Patriots fans on Twitter slash your article comments versus Vikings fans on Twitter slash your article comments. Who is... Whose do you more enjoy reading? This is a landslide. And maybe just because of a small sample size, I'll take the Vikings fans in a landslide. It is still insane to me, and this is going to take a lot of getting used to, to hear Patriots fans kind of, frankly, bitch and moan because their team is average. when they've won <laughs> six Super Bowls in the last two decades. And it's like, cancel the season. The offense stinks. Why are we even watching? It's like, this is what <laughs> this is what most fan bases deal with like their whole lives. I, I know it's kind of crazy for you Patriots fans to um, I guess realize that this is what the rest of the league deals with and this is kind of the ability that they watch and the kind of football that they watch every Sunday. but boy, it has been rough in the comments uh, for people who are not, really used to the Patriots being kind of a wild card team. Yeah. To, to act that way. I know granted two years ago is pretty rough, but after coming off a wild card year with a rookie quarterback, you'd think like you'd feel very optimistic about your team <laughs> right. at that point. I mean, I know all the reports haven't been positive and camp maybe hasn't been great, but still like I would think optimism would still reign, but not yeah. when the only thing to be optimistic about is Super Bowl chances. Like that's, yeah. that's a different beast. When everything is weighed against the Super Bowl, a lot of seasons are just going to, you know, kind of not feel that great. I, I can't, I can't imagine like watching the preseason, watching Mac Jones and be like, this guy is no Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. That's the other <laughs> thing. Like poor Mac Jones, the bar could not be higher. The bar is the literal best quarterback of all time. And uh, it's like, God, Brady wouldn't have done that. Brady would have inspired his offensive line to block that guy who just came free and forced the strip sack. Um, so we'll, it, it is crazy that, you know, we talk about taking a step back, looking at it from the macro. The Patriots have what looks like a franchise quarterback on a rookie deal for the next four years. It that that's the dream scenario. That's in how the you NFL. build Super Bowl that's teams. That's what yep. you build around, and yet it just doesn't feel like that because the rest of the roster isn't quite there. Next year, they're going to have among the most cap in the NFL. Like I don't think it's going to take that long for the Patriots to, if they make the right decisions, get back to competing for conference championships, but. That's the whole reason you draft rookies. That's the reason you go back to that well, even if you end up with Sam Darnold sometimes. like it, It's worth that shot because when you do find the guy, it makes the rest of it so easy. Yeah, when you can get a Mac Jones, and this is why Vikings fans look at the rookie quarterbacks thing as well. When you can get a Mac Jones, it frees up the money to get yourself a Nelson Aguilar, a Hunter Henry, <laughs> a Jonu Smith. You can go pay for those guys. No, but yeah. you're right. If you, if you do it right, it's supposed to work. Uh, the Patriots maybe haven't done it right just yet uh, they got the quarterback they missed every other part of the equation <laughs> last thing before i let you go because you know people have followed you and you've been here for so long how is everything going how is the east coast life do you regret leaving us yet well uh, at times yes for sure um <laughs> especially when i'm reading the comments and people are a little more blunt and perhaps not quite as nice or don't give you the benefit of the doubt of why you wrote something that you did um it's been a good adjustment though we are uh, not quite settled in yet. The boxes are still with the moving company. And so we're, you know, we'll feel better, I think, in a couple of months. And by the time we come back for Thanksgiving, you get to see old friends and all of that. Um, but so far, so good. We're 
living with parents, which is um, a nice luxury, especially with the baby. But come three weeks from now, when it's time to close on the house, I think we'll be very ready to uh, grab those keys and sprint straight over there and open the door and kind of get settled. Well, best of luck with that, Chad. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Hopefully the Patriots fans, you know, don't beat up on you too much this season. We really appreciate you hopping on for the pod. Hopefully Vikings fans enjoyed it as well. Uh, for Inside Purple and Gold, Jace Frederick joined by Chad Graff. We will meet you back up with Dane on Tuesday. Um, thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.